This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. On the Front Burner puts two no-nonsense culinary professionals on air discussing tough industry topics, interviewing fascinating food personalities, and providing penetrating looks at the industry that we love. We don't always agree and often provide compelling personal insights from a unique combination of life experiences. You know, it's a lively give and take. It's by no means conventional. Elaine owns Sweet Cheeks Baking Company and is a winner of the Food Network's Cupcake Wars and Fabulous Cakes. A seasoned industry professional, she is a cake designer and a certified sommelier. Don is a chef, an award-winning journalist, and a culinary educator. Together we take a not-always-pretty, sometimes funny, and always-entertaining look at the world of food and beverage. Hi, and welcome to On the Front Burner. I'm Don Williamson. Hi, I'm Elaine Artizzoni. And today, we're going to talk about sushi. God, it's one of my favorite things that exists. And you know, when we say sushi, everybody thinks fish, raw fish. But you know, sushi actually means rice. I love that I learned this today. I already love that I learned that today. And this segment is called, It's All About the Rice. And (laughs) one thing, just we're going to do a real quick background here to to give some thought to it, that... um, There are nearly 4,000 sushi restaurants in the U.S. today, and last year they grossed more than $2 billion. And people wonder why we're running out of fish in the ocean. (laughs) (laughs) It is a problem. It is. And 50 years ago, people had never heard of sushi. And if they ate Japanese food at all, it was going to be like uh, sukiyaki or tempura or something like that. And many Americans would have thought the idea of consuming raw fish was just awful. My husband still thinks that. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk <laughs> a little bit later something that I found out during while we were researching this that was a smash TV hit show that helped put sushi in everybody's mind here in this country. And to be honest, in the 50s, many Americans were kind of resistant to Japanese food and culture because it was right after World War II, and they still thought about ah uh, yes, Japan as being the enemy. Still the in enemy. Fa- mm-hmm. In fact, we impacted their food because during the American occupation in Japan from 1945 to 52, we started influencing their meals with greasier foods and red meats and the whole and we're responsible supposedly for fatty tuna becoming the most expensive sushi today because we like that well it is pretty darn yummy it is but you know they used to feed that tuna to pets it okay was well pet food thinking about that though is it's pretty similar if you liken it to what happened on the east coast with lobster we've talked about that before about how they were feeding lobster to the slaves because no one was everyone was like not eating those giant bugs it's right because slaves and prisoners right. it was prison food right right but and they had a, they, the, they had a good marketer yes yeah, so now it's the luxury mm-hmm. yeah right Very so cool. we're going to talk about some of that we're going to talk about um some of the restaurants talk about the the, the reason that uh, sushi began in the first place, and we're going to bring on what, San Diego's master sushi chef, 
who was kind enough to come and be with us today to talk a little bit about all of this, to talk about what's happening with him, and to talk about an exciting new venture that he's come come off into. So um, first, why sushi? Where did it come from? Why did they do it? It's because when they flooded the rice paddies, fish died. And they had all that raw fish and didn't know what to do with it. So they packed it with, uh, they packed the rice around the fish. The rice fermented, just like when you're making alcohol or rice wine, and it kept the fish fresh. Well, not fresh, but pickled and dried, and, and you could keep it for months. And they would just throw the rice away and eat the fish. Isn't that cool? Kind of like salt packing? Yeah, also. exactly, because yeah, yeah, yeah. it was Very salt. Cool. Salt and, and and rice. And the whole thing happened in China. All of this began in Ch- Well, they say it began in the Mekong uh, Delta, Delta there Delta, yeah. with Thailand, and but really in China. But what happened, you would think that China would be the place where all the sushi was, and it's not. And, well, and think about how often you hear Americans who think they know about sushi, and they're like, well, it's a Chinese restaurant. What are they doing with sushi? As if... As if they had nothing to do with it. Right. In fact, sushi started in China, but the whole deal was, and this was the fascinating part about reading about this, when Genghis Khan mm-hmm. and the Mongols came in, yeah. they wanted red meat. Hmm. So the whole course of history changed because they made red uh, meat. When they came into China. Very they good. made red meat the dominant meal Rather than sushi, and then sushi moved to Japan, and when it moved to Japan, that's when they started eating the rice. And then sometime about 1700, they invented um, rice rice wine vinegar. Uh, they yes. made rice wine. Some of it went bad and turned to vinegar. Of course. They put it in the sushi, and voila! Mm. Suddenly, you could have sushi in five minutes and not five months. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty neat. But I want to introduce our guest today. Yeah, let's let's talk to him. Because yeah. he's one of my, honestly, you're one of my favorite people uh, in this industry. I am always overjoyed when we work events together. It isn't often enough. Yes, yes. So well, it's Jeff Roberto, the uh, master sushi chef in San Diego. <laughs> and everyone who's done an event and has sushi there knows Jeff. Thank you. That's yes. true. Sushi That's on true. a roll is, I see it all the time, all the weddings that we do yes. and corporate events and whatnot. And whatnot. If, if it's sushi on a roll, I can tell you a ton of people are going to be at that table. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. much so. It's so cool. Good. Thank you. So and good. it's in hotels all, all across the city. It's just amazing. If you see sushi in a hotel, and it's good, it's probably from Jeff Roberto with Sushi <laughs> on a Roll. But Jeff. Thank you. Tell us how you got into sushi because you're actually <laughs> Filipino, right? Yeah, definitely it, Filipino. Both parents from the Philippines. So. Is there a Philippine tradition for <laughs> there sushi? There is not. There is not. And then, you know, here the opportunity with the U.S., you kind of – I was right out of high school, honestly. And a buddy of mine was a uh, manager of a sushi bar. And he asked oh. me if I wanted to work. And I don't know. What are you thinking out of high school? Like, yeah, I'll work sure. for a few weeks. Here I am, over 30 years later, still doing that's it. Amazing. But amazing. Uh, Were you born in fun. the Philippines or here? I was born here, in okay. the East Coast. Dad yeah, was in the military. Nice. And then we came here when I was three. But, uh, yeah, they didn't even come into, you know, into the, any of my plans. But uh, then we got a bunch of our friends into it. And that's uh, from the same high school. Uh, what ended up happening, my buddy, who's a manager, uh, Bernie, he didn't want to interview anymore. He goes, just bring your friends and I'll hire them. 
So there's 10 sushi chefs from my high school, Benita Vista, that do sushi around town and that, that I've hired. Cool. Yeah, and like eight of us still do it. Yeah. And it's amazing. Yeah, yeah it's so great. It's pretty cool. So how long did you work there doing doing that? So I worked for uh, I worked for that company for 12 years, Yakitori 2, for 12 years. And then I started Sushi on Roll in 93 with a partner right. of mine, a buddy that uh, same high school. And uh, we went, we started that out, and then we kind of incorporated in 98, and I kind of took the whole thing over. And uh, here I am. You know, we opened 13 restaurants in 30 years, and uh, it's just fun. And and our whole my whole market, it's uh, with my partner. Uh, the market that I kind of catered to was uh, Rodney Regala. I went to his studio one day, and I saw his portfolio, and it was the Marriott, it was the hotels, right? It was the uh, Hyatt's and everybody. And so that's got and got in my my head, and that's what I wanted to target. And so I went to one chef meeting. And I got Steve Black there, Chef Steve Black. I got Chef Jay Pastorell and Chef Jerry Dollar, my first three clients, just out of that one meeting. And then, then all the chefs heard about me doing sushi around yeah. town. So, because there really wasn't much sushi was around. No one. Yeah, tell us about yeah. what the sushi world was like in so, San yeah, Diego. Yeah, seven then. sushi bars when I started, right? And Yakitori mm. Two had three of them. And there was Ota; he was still around, and oh, yeah, uh, Kyo, and then you got uh, Kazumi, but. Um, uh, so we're the new garb now, and uh, it's amazing, you know, to have seven sushi bars. Now there's over, I would say, I would guess over 200 if you like, say, Temecula up north and then kind of down south to towards Tijuana. But, um, you know, a lot of them are, um, it's a tricky, not everything is the same, right? It's, it's so inconsistent, like when you go in a lot of restaurants. Right. It's everyone, it's it's the, the people in the house that kind of either create or don't create it. So it's kind of tough. But when you go to, and each restaurant will create a certain inventory, right? And not everyone has uni, not everyone has amebi because it's not going to sell. So it's It will hard. if I'm there. There you go. <laughs> you know, you like the uni. The uni <laughs> that's is the my best. favorite. But that's what you got to understand is to figure out what's going to sell in your restaurant, yeah. definitely. And this whole thing about sushi started slowly in this country anyway. I remember the, uh, the, the Bible about sushi is called The Story of Sushi, an Unlikely Saga of Raw Fish and Rice by Trevor Corson. And he wrote that the first sushi restaurant, the authentic Japanese sushi restaurant, opened in 1966 with the Japanese businessman and his wife from Japan, and they opened uh, a sushi bar in, in Little Tokyo. And it was popular with immigrants, but also with some of the clientele. And then the first sushi bar outside of Little Tokyo opened up in 1970, and all the movie stars like Hugh Brenner and them started coming in there and made it fancy <laughs> and made oh, it Oh, because that slick. was the one by uh, 20th Century Fox, right? Mm-hmm. That was exactly. the one that was, yeah, just right by, yeah, where they all were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and and this was the thing that really surprised me that I – you remember the miniseries Shogun? Of course. Yes, yes. I'm almost old enough to remember that. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> now, <laughs> now you're hurting, hurting me. <laughs> but um, it was Shogun that popularized sushi to a great part of the American public. I don't remember them eating sushi or – I don't remember anything about it except for the big swords. Swords, right, right. Well, the big thing about it was it was done in Japan, all shot in Japan, right, right. which made it different. And they used actual Japanese actors because before that they had movies where they'd spray Mickey Rooney yellow. And have <laughs> so, oh, so, so I think all of that and the food focused people's attention on that. And uh, then the uh, well, then the whole health craze, 
Right, and that right, and that right, came right. right behind it. It was all kind of fortuitous, and it's funny how this works because there was a big report that came out and said we were re- eating too much meat and we needed to eat grains and needed to eat um, fish, more fish, and then suddenly Shogun comes out and then suddenly sushi begins to explode. And that was just an amazing kind of thing. Did that happen kind of the same way down here, Jeff? Down here, yeah. I think, you know, it definitely started in Hollywood because I think, you know, world travelers and all that kind of brought it out. But then it's, you know, back then it's pretty pricey, you know, so it wasn't a whole lot of people. Um, So you get a specific uh, group of uh, clientele at one point, and now it's like everybody kind of eats it. But, um, yeah, it kind of grew real fast. Like the California, when the rice started coming on the outside, I think that's where it got really popular with everybody because a lot of people didn't like the seaweed, the taste of the seaweed, right? Mm-hmm. So back then, the Japanese menu in the, in the restaurant was a tuna roll, cucumber roll, your nigiri sashimi, and that was primarily was, it. Was there ever rice inside the roll back well, then? Most of it, yeah, that was only the rice in the inside. So, so they did small have rolls. it, though. It wasn't right. just the, the protein or the veggie inside the right. nori. Right, so the rice. Was, yeah. So that and that's what happened. So like in the early '90s, like '91 ish, is when the rice started coming on the outside, and then that's where we created like the rainbow roll or the inside out roll. Right, was calling right. It. And that so, was actually an invention. Some guy just said, "Let me do that," and, yeah. and immediately folks liked it better because right. they didn't like the idea of just name. eating the seaweed. Yeah, right. well, it didn't look like they were eating seaweed, right? So it was right. kind of nice. And then, but then I tell people when I teach these classes, I tell them it's an American thing. We want to supersize it. So right. put the rice on the outside, it gets bigger, right? Right. And so, um, what else is new? But I, <laughs> but I think that's what it is. I think uh, sushi in the whole world, it's um, you, as a sushi chef, I try to get the customer to eat something. You know, unfortunately, it's a California roll. Right, but hopefully they progress. Hopefully, from there you kind of get them in the bar and kind of introduce them and kind of teach mm-hmm. them, and then they move on to something you know a little bit better, and, and then go to the, the sashimi nigiri side. Because um, I think that's what it is when you eat the nigiri. It's there's nothing mask about it, right? It's it's got either be at its purest. Okay, so right? since we're on air, nigiri is two pieces, two pieces of sushi on top of rice. rice. Correct, correct. Mm-hmm. So and that's what you get. So two, they get sorry, two, two pieces of fish. fish I shouldn't correct. say of sushi since we're saying <laughs> right. now that sushi means rice. But to be clear for most people who call sushi. There you go. So when when we always hear sashimi, only fish, right. sushi is nigiri usually correct. is what people are thinking. Correct. As opposed to getting into maki, which right. is rolls, or temaki, hand rolls. rolls. Correct. And gunkamaki, yeah. which is Ooh, like you kind of combine the sushi meets amaki in a right, way. The right. way so is this true? I was told, and I'll get back to this later, but I used to own a sushi bar. And we had, um, to be honest, he was a lunatic, our sushi chef. But oh, okay. he was talented. But he taught me that term gunkamaki, and he said it meant battleship. Right, correct, correct. That is correct. Okay, correct, so correct. he was like, picture it's like a little ship, and then you fill it with things. So. Right. So not so, everything you could put on top of rice because right. it'll fall off. So correct. you put it in a cup. So, so it's sort of like a little, yeah, you make this little right. yeah. seaweed cup, fill it with rice, and you could put, put like masago, your, your, yeah, your eggs and, uh, everything and everything in there. Yeah. So that's yeah. a sushi style, right? Yeah. So if you order tuna, salmon, shrimp, yellowtail, or eel, you'll get two pieces of fish. That's what we call sushi style, right? Right. But if you order tuna sashimi, you'll get that, or tuna roll, you'll get that, correct? Yeah. yeah. And I was just, it's funny, you know, Elaine and I have this connection. I was just getting ready to say, and Elaine, you opened the first sushi restaurant in Telluride, Colorado, Colorado, Colorado didn't yeah. you? I yes, did, yes. which is a little Why? bit ridiculous. Well, at the time, um, I owned an Italian restaurant, and I had a business partner who was, uh, at the time, also my boyfriend, and we used to travel to Aspen all the time. 
And we said, why are we driving four and a half hours to go to Aspen to spend a fortune at Kenichi, which was the sushi <laughs> bar there? And but God, I remember the guy, Bill Rieger. Anyway, the owners we were super nice. Um, it was two owners. And it was wonderful sushi. But between driving four and a half hours to go, and then, of course, you got to spend the night. And thank God we had friends in the hotel business. But it was still a fortune right, to right. spend stay overnight just to get that sushi fix. So we said, why don't we just try to do something on the second half? So we had originally, this whole back half of our restaurant was actually an Italian deli initially, mm. which is another expensive thing right. to try to do. <laughs> I, I mean, all hail Mona Lisa and people who can do it. So we converted that into a sushi bar. And we th- the reason it ended up kind of working to begin with was this guy who we met who kind of stumbled into our lives. Wow. And he was a trained sushi chef for many years, okay. owned his own places in the past. We did not know he was sort of hiding (laughs) from his past when he came to Telluride, but whatever, he got us started. It's another long, sordid tale we don't need to get into. But anyway, so he made the beautiful sushi bar. We had 18 seats. It was very small. It was a smash hit from the start because our restaurant was already very popular. It was like the back entrance um, area. And you had glass between the two. So people could watch all this stuff happening. So they were dining in the Italian restaurant. They could look Uh. through these huge glass windows to see what was happening at the sushi bar, which attracted more attention. We'd have a line out the door all the time, which is all fine and nice until everyone else decides, oh, we're going to open a sushi bar. In a town of, honestly, it it was maybe 1,500 regular residents who live in Telluride at the time. And so four more opened about a year, within about a year and a half. And that just can't sustain. Right, right, right. Plus he was robbing us blind. (laughs) And then he, yeah, so that's, yeah, the tail gets crazier yeah. with, with our crazy sushi wow. chef. Well, good I, for you. I mean, yeah. you know, I think you got to think uh, fast forward in a lot of, the, especially in the food scene, um, and to go that route is kind of, uh, and I think that's what it is. It's more interactive. It's a whole, it's kind of, a, it's like a bartender serving food, it really. It is a bartender and for sure. Yeah, and yeah, it's, it's just totally. fun. It's interactive. I mean, I, I hear all your stories and, yeah. you know, and it's it's interesting. And you, you build these clientels and these relationships. Yeah. And I think that's what goes on. I mean, I've been serving some of these guys. I still serve since the 90s. And I'm it's amazing. Sure. Yeah, it's yeah. so fun to kind of just be in their house and they get to see their kids grow up. And they're eating sushi at, you know, two, yeah. three years old. and. It's uh, it's wild on who eats it, and uh, I, I think everybody more so now, it gets to a very popular. I mean, you know, the kids eat it. My daughter started eating it when she was three, and then you get the elders that eat it because the doctor says he eats more fish right. to you know, stay healthy, and then everyone in between is. Plus, you can also incorporate, I feel like, so many yummy fresh produce options, yeah. and, you know, here we are at Specialty Produce, and I mean, to me, this is the perfect place. You come in, you get these gorgeous little microgreens oh, and delicious goodness. little gobo root yeah. and fresh cucumbers and whatever, and putting those into a sushi roll oh. with or without. Yeah, fish yeah, yeah. you can make delicious i have a my office manager is vegan as well as our lovely producer here <laughs> and um you can make beautiful oh, vegan sushi i mean to the point that it's microgreens all day long just as delicious yeah, yeah, my yeah. god um and for me gobo and shiso leaf mm-hmm. oh my god i could right. eat anything with that stuff yeah and i think that's where you, yeah. it's it's education with a lot of this this new stuff new uh you know definitely a culture but uh, when you have all those different flavors, it's just right. it's just amazing, you know. And then you go in this in the microgreen refrigerator here and walk in. It's, oh, it's insane! You make your own little salads out of all these microgreens. It's insane. Yes, it's beautiful. And Don, you know, you had um, found some information kind of about sort of the the evolution of bringing in some of these weird ingredients and well, well ingredients and just style also. Style, yeah. I think style is a part because sushi used to be even more laborious. It was a big cake right, that right. you'd make and you'd slice it with a knife. Oh, like a bento box? No, what do you call that? Yeah. Batara. 
Uh, no, no, no. They, when they make the sushi, they, 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 it, it wasn't individual. It was right. a big, huge thing, and they'd cut it like a cake mm. and, and give you pieces of it. Yeah, there's and, a thing. I feel like we call, it was called batara, and you make this big thing. And I think that's maybe, what you're talking about. I'm, I'm not sure. Now I need to look that up. No. Yeah. And, and mm. anyway, and then they moved to individual rolls because it was quicker and faster mm. and they could do mm-hmm. it. And then they went to what they call the um, – what what do, what do they call it, Jeff? The, the, the kaiten, the kaiten, the conveyor belt. The conveyor belt. Oh, yes. Yes. yeah. The, the, so you would just sit there, and your sushi would come around in a conveyor belt. And it's so cool. And each plate's only like a buck or three bucks or whatever it is, and it's 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 very deceiving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At the end of it, you're like, oh, damn it! What's that stack of plates? Did I pay for all that? And one thing about that, I didn't realize that sushi was a very male dominated sort of thing. Women was, are not allowed well, to I touch think, fish. Right. Well, I think the because, culture is too. Yes. And right. we, I was told, because I used to roll sushi in my own place, we, I was told that women were not allowed to touch fish because of the menstrual, menstrual cycle. And they did not trust women's hands. They thought they'd be too hot at times. There were all these weird things. Right. And I was the only person, certainly at least in Telluride, in Colorado that I knew, I was the only female who was cutting and actually serving sushi as a sushi uh. chef. Although, Jeff, clearly I was not a sushi chef, but I was pretty good. Yeah, I mean, you got to. There were three of us. Definitely. It was me and two redheads. You know, we were we were as <laughs> as round eye sushi as you can get. Dude. Well, I think but, sushi's like baking too, with what you do. I think it's kind of it's patience. Mm-hmm. You know, it's and not it's just art right, for sure. So, it's art. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. And any and, and and the other part of that is that as this sushi on, on the counter going around came out, women were became. Be, Weren't intimidated by the more approachable, males. you think? Right, right. right. The, the women could come up, they could Makes eat sense. it, they could work at it, and so it's a whole part of the sexual revolution that went on there as sushi progressed. Right, that's the thing that's so fascinating to me, from Genghis Khan to this, and, and how all that impacted, and 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 the whole popularity of, of of sushi as you were talking about, you know, but and and. There's a negative side to that because they say that as the popularity of sushi spread, the quality declined right. along with right. the prices. And uh, and I think that what's kind of pumped that back up now is we're getting big flavors because of all of that cultural fusion. You got avocado and tempura and flakes and mayonnaise and sriracha oh, and sweet mayonnaise. sauces. <laughs> Let's but, not even go with the discuss the cream cheese problem that's out there. I know. I do yes. not understand mayonnaise <laughs> and cream cheese with fish. What is happening? And yet it's everywhere. It's, it's everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So when you say qualities decline, do you think, Jeff, because I, I feel like there's a point, you know, there used to obviously, there's a lot less fish in the sea. We right, can tell. We, right. we know the fishermen. They all say it. So there's a point that they're struggling just to maintain the demand to have the fish here. So, But do you feel like there's a quality decline in the fish product itself at all? Or is it more just it's a perception thing of quality in the way – like the three of us, I think, yeah. as chefs all kind of go, who would do that to a perfectly delicious piece right, of salmon? Right. But people prefer it. And, yeah. you know, well, I think it's definitely a price point too because it's – it's expensive, so I think the reason why it's declined a lot of these sushi bars where they've kind of uh, trying to out- outcompete other competitors. The product cost is crazy. For, yeah, yeah, because they don't buy number ones, right? right. So they're right. trying to get this. Degrade it. You right, mean the grade number right. one. So yeah. I think that's what happens there. Um, and not necessarily from the fishermen, but you know, the fishermen are selling, they love their fish, so they're selling at top dollar, but 
I, I don't need that kind of price, right? So right. I'll go to number two. And, I see what you're saying. Right? And there's also an issue that I was reading about that said that a big thing is when you've got a piece of fish, you don't know what that fish is. Right, and right, there's right. a whole scam going oh, on yeah, in some yeah, places yeah. Mm-hmm. where they think you think you're buying right. high dollar fish and right. you're getting tilapia right. or oh, you're getting gosh, yeah. some cheap fish because right. there's no way to know. Yeah. And it goes unless, back to having to know your fishmonger and know your sushi, your sushi place. Right, right, well, right. it's like the famous skate wing instead of scallops, mm-hmm, which right, is, right, you yeah. know, that's I mean, a, a lot one. of times, even the local yelltail here, a lot of people will sell that as a hamachi from Japan. So mm-hmm. just because, unless you really know, and it's the same thing. And if you're sitting in the dining area, you have the disadvantage because you don't know what's going to come out from that Right from that case, right? Right, so, you don't see the case. Yeah, in action. so it's kind of hard to kind of tell, but unfortunately, that's what people do. With you know, the tilapia is a big one. It's that there's always a like a white fish in the, in the mix, right? Whether right. it's a halibut or a snapper, we call it sharomi is kind of the the broad term for white fish. So yeah, and then you get the tilapia comes out for you know a dollar ninety nine a pound, and Amazing. it for a snapper at you know tie a snapper, plus. right? Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's and that's from Japan, so it's very yeah. good. But but that's the thing when the skin comes off, you have unless you really know what it is, you have no idea. Like, yeah, the skin comes off, and you've got a little piece like that, yeah. and you have no idea what that is. Right, right. And yeah. even if you're a connoisseur, you know it's maybe hard to tell when right. you've got that little piece on rice right. with seaweed. Exactly. Or forget if it's or even yeah. or if it's in a roll. Sauce. If it's in a roll, they can put whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And but, I, yeah, I don't know. I think that's where it is too. And, and, and unfortunately, a lot of times it's, if it doesn't sell, like in these Kaiten sushi bars, it's, you know, they're only going to put out what's going to, the popular stuff, right? right? So, which is good. But you get some of these places that, you know, they try, they want to try it out and see what happens. And they got it in their inventory, like, well, we got to sell it. And it's, that's what happens, you know, and it's yeah. unfortunate. But one um, of the things that saved us with, um, when I had my sushi, my sushi bar is we would get it in. For we'd get in grade one, we'd sell it for sushi. If it didn't sell, then we could do it. Yeah, you can we cook could it. just cook it yeah, yeah, in the yeah, restaurant the next night. So. It was no problem, and yeah. t- so it did help. And that's why we created the cook rolls too, is because <laughs> is we created that is um, because of the day two and the day threes, right? Uh, because of that, right? So we right. Create, and, and then that's why I don't mind your friends that want cook rolls. I'm okay because I got some it. stuff I need to get rid of. Right, you, know? you need Very. some options. In the beginning, we used to give a called a Toshi little appetizer, uh, and it was it was free just to kind of start off. But that would be right. like from yesterday's stuff, and right. you just kind of build it right. And Which it's is nothing, and yet some yeah. people will think yesterday's stuff. Yeah. it isn't bad. It's just that I think um, it, it's important. Right. Otherwise, right. you're wa- you know you want to waste. Yeah, either. people just don't. Yeah, I don't like, understand. Where's that going to gonna go? Yeah, we talked yeah. about food waste, and-, and and the one thing that I kind of mm. want to wind up on this a little bit as we go down is we talk about the impact that Japan has had on us. I thought it was really interesting that we're having an impact on Japan. And they were saying that there was signage and, and Elaine just remain calm. There was <laughs> signage on a Japanese <laughs> restaurant and the menu partly in English where they serve California rolls Philadelphia rolls oh with salmon, God. cream cheese, and wow. cucumber. Rainbow rolls, a variation on the California roll that is wrapped in multicolored sashimi, are all American creations, right. all on sale right now in Japan. But think, wow. A, how many Americans live in Japan? Right, right. And B, where is that? Is that in more of a... 
Yeah. That's probably not in your classic little traditional like Edo, Edo, yeah, place. Edo cities and Yeah, stuff, that's right? going to be pro- – I'm guessing that's probably going to be, you know, like in a beautiful sushi bar in the Marriott or in a sushi bar. Maybe that's a chain or, you know, who knows? Right, right. Yeah, you never but, know. But, but there the was fact a that time they're to do it. that they never yeah. would have had that in Japan. Right. right. right, right. It wouldn't have been anywhere. Because the now, pride, pride yeah. of product. And now they realize they need the business. And, I mean, yeah. I, I, suff- I settled for doing – Oh my God! I used to fight the chicken parmesan on linguine. I did not want chicken parmesan on my menu for years, but it was such a big seller with all the people that would come in right. who were, I mean, unfortunately, like, wherever they were from, they were not familiar with you know a lot of Italian food. So that was the thing they wanted. My God, because yeah. we're I lost. in business, you lose the battle. Right, You're right. in business. Yeah, because it's, right. it's the story Elaine always tells, and I love it. When she went into baking. She and her then partner said, we're not going to do wedding cakes. Mm-hmm. Now she does more wedding cakes than anybody <laughs> in Southern California. Yeah, that's not what quite. the customer wants. <laughs> you have to say. I think, I think that's what it is. I guess it's California rolls. You know, I sell tons of California rolls. And yeah. it's, a, it's a strong product. It holds, out, it holds well. And, uh, and it's easy for everybody. Everyone that comes from out of town to San Diego and these conventions, they – you know, that's what they're going to order, which is good and bad. But uh, you it's know, also good for people who can't have raw fish due to whatever. Like maybe they're pregnant, right, they can right, still have right. a California roll. Exactly. They don't want their kids to have raw fish at a young age. They can still have yeah. a California roll. At least you so get some there. there. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's amazing. It on has that. use. It Very has much use. so. Yeah, and I think that's what the, the the American menus has kind of brought to a lot of people that now have even the Japanese when they when they come here to do events they they want our American sushi right just to and not maybe with the cream cheese but it's yeah. it's kind of the Thank California world and, and yeah. And they they still want it, um, which is cool. And so a lot yeah. of but a lot of these hotels don't order because they're like, oh, they want burgers and hot dogs and stuff. Like, no, no, I think they they want to try our food as well too. Yeah. So it's yeah. interesting, yeah. Definitely. Okay, so that's kind of where sushi has been and kind of how it's moved up. And uh, in the next segment that we hope you'll listen to next week, we're going to talk about what Jeff's doing now his brand new venture, and how he's getting ready to take over the sushi world. But for now, I'm Don Williamson. And I'm Elaine Artizoni. And you've been on the front burner. <laughs>